Today on My First Concert. Ticketless fans outside, they're storming the gates trying to get in. Police show up. They're clashing with the protesters. There's tear gas. I'm sitting at the top of the, of course, uh, and the tear gas wafts up to the, to the top <laughs> of where we are. So it was a different kind of smoke, I think. Than... <laughs> Pat Kessler is an award-winning Hall of Fame broadcast journalist, and his reality check is an example of his talents. He's also a radio guy. He's a writer. He's covered the Capitol as well as anybody could cover the Capitol, and he's also a music fan. And so we're going to drag him in on this show on my first concert today, brought to you by our good friends at Propane. Reducing carbon emissions is good for everybody. You've heard it in the headlines. We're going to talk more about that later in the show, about what they're doing at propane.com. Also, Star Bank, that's the bank that Talk North uses, and you get an opportunity to learn about those folks in just a few minutes as well. Really cool what they've done in building their brand throughout the state of Minnesota. And of course, Jeff and all of his staff over at Aquarius Home Services, and I mean home services. They do it all, and maybe this is the time of year you think about a furnace, or maybe you're thinking, ah, i got to get an air conditioner, but there's much more. A water treatment system with Kineticum, man, they're good at what they do. I only know that because I've known Jeff for well over 20 years and worked with him that whole time. So they're all part of my first concert. Pat Kessler, your first concert. Let's go right to the title of this show. What was it? Do you remember? I absolutely remember. I was 14 years old, and as a farm boy, as someone from rural Minnesota, rural North Dakota, uh, it was at the Fargo Civic Center, 14 years old, and it was a triple bill. Oh, boy. Now, when you asked me to try to go down memory lane, uh, and I did, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but it brought me to a period of introspection and retrospection down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I discovered, Did you get out of the rabbit hole? I'm still there. <laughs> I am still there. And that's why I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, gosh, great to have you. So uh, it was uh, at the Fargo Civic Center. And I know you've attended a few shows that's there. Where that's where my first smell of marijuana came from, up in the second deck, yeah. when ZZ Top was on stage. Oh, that was the first, huh? Yeah, I think Slade <laughs> opened up, if I remember right. I was so innocent, and I, I don't remember any of that. But the opening act, that's a great opening act, by the way, Slade for ZZ Top. Yeah. That's great. Uh, the opening act was a one-hit wonder called The Human Beings. Oh, Yeah. No, 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 no. I used to play that on Sid promos. No, no, no. And it was a fantastic, I mean, the refrain of that. Nobody can do the shing-a-ling like I do. Nobody can do the shimmy. I'm going to listen to it later today. Oh, my God. So I did listen to it, you know, over the last few days. And I think a cover band could do this and set everything going. Everybody would be dancing. Yeah. So that's the opening act. And the Human Beings. Human Beings. And it was a B-E-I-N-Z. Yeah. Because you had to be different. The Human Beings. That so, may have been their, off their greatest hit album. Uh, yeah, the greatest hit. <laughs> <laughs> they get, keep playing it over and over. <laughs> and uh, the second band before the headliner uh, is Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. Minnesota Kid. Oh, my goodness. No, I did not know that. Yeah. Minnesota Kid. Yeah. How, how about that? Yeah, he is the... Uh, he is the, uh, the king of the lovesick, wailing, <laughs> what happened to me, where are you? 
Uh, and you remember he had a lot of a lot of really good hits. Young like, girl, get, get out of my mind, <laughs> woman. <laughs> so all of that, and, and what I remember about that <laughs> is that these guys show up on stage, and this is at, around the time where everyone is wearing kind of uniforms, and they wore Union Army Civil War uniforms on stage. So uh, they're the Union Gap from the famous. Uh, uh, the Civil War battle, and and that's what they did, and so, uh, you know, so it's remember Paul Revere and the oh, Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, had... I mean, they all wore these kinds of things. I mean, even the Beatles when they started out, did they not? They yeah, wore, they sure did. Wore they the all same wore thing. the same stuff. Yeah, uh, Dave Clark Five. Yeah, know. yeah. So I mean, so this was a thing. Now this was a, a remarkable. So did Devo, by the way, when they came out with Whippet. And and yeah, of course the the and the upside down flower pots <laughs> on there. <laughs> God, I used to love Devo. Oh, my goodness. That's one of my FOMOs, by the way. I wish that I had seen Devo back in the day. But, um, you know, that's, that's a whole other story. So, so you remember what it was like. Uh, you, you, know, you know what it's like to live in, in rural America. And we live in flyover country. And I'm 14 years old. I don't know what all of this is about. Uh, and, but it was at a time... It is at a time when the world was crashing in. Now, living in a small town like we did, we lived on a farm. You know, the nearest uh, big town was Hitterdahl, Minnesota. <laughs> Not far Clay from Yulin. Right, right next to Yulin. <laughs> yeah, right over there. And, and they, uh, so we lived, you know, just a few miles from there, population 229. Sometimes it was the most beautiful place in the world, and sometimes we felt like... We were alone on some moonscape. Yeah. You know, it, it's like you're all alone. Meanwhile, the world is crashing down around you. So you remember these, this is 1968. I'm 14 years old. This is the summer of 68, the, what later became known as the summer of love. Summer of love, yeah. But I'm 14. Not for so, all of us. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you, you think about the, the turbulence of the time where... Martin Luther King had been assassinated just a couple of months before. uh, The streets uh, explode around the country with rage and violence and riots everywhere. Uh, Just a few weeks later, June, a month before this concert, Robert F. Kennedy is murdered. And the country doesn't know what to do. I Mm -hmm. mean, everyone is just adrift. Just a few days after this concert, Apollo astronauts take off for the moon. They're about to land and walk on the face of the moon. And it's just a month before the Chicago Convention of 1968 Mm -hmm. with Hubert Humphrey with violence and riots and the country's upside down and inside out. That's what was happening when I go to this concert. And... We're singing, no, 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 And Gary Pike and the Union Gap. So the headliner is the Beach Boys. And the Beach Boys are here in Fargo at the Civic Center. And I remember it vividly. And they were kind of getting into the cultural changes of what they're wearing. You know, they were wearing more of the... Uh, the, and not the striped shirts that they wore with little Deuce Coop and and uh, Surf and Safari and all, all the kinds of less stuff. innocent. Yeah, m- m- much much more so. And they're wearing scarves and and really mod uh, white suits. I, I recall mod. 
very I've, mod. Mod, remember the mod squad? Oh my Beats god! Walk in the streets. Oh. Link and Julie. I love that Peggy Lipton. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, those those were the days, and and we only had three television stations. And on the farm, you know, yeah. my parents didn't like us watching television, so they would bring out the television out of their bedroom and put it out for us to watch. And we could watch it a couple, three hours uh, on a Friday or at night for a couple hours. And I have 12 brothers and sisters, so we, you know, we all had to fight over what we were going to watch. So. Yeah. At least there were only three cho- shows to choose from at the time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then, and, the, and, and when, then you have the, the test pattern when it goes off the air. At, <laughs> <laughs> on uh, KFGO yeah. up there, so uh, so it to me this was um, this was my first taste of things I would hear on the radio, yeah. and and we could hear things on the radio back in those days. Radio was huge. Uh, it was so big uh, on the AM radio, and we were able to listen to Fargo, WDAY, KFGO. But at night, we would sit out in the cars in the farmyard, mm-hmm. and you could tune in WCCO from far away, or KAAY in Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, yeah, it was a big one. Or, KOMA in Oklahoma City. Yeah, and, and St. Louis. Uh, you know, so you could tune... Yeah. And we got the... You know, you <laughs> could, and just you'd have to tune it in. So uh, and and so we listened to all of this music from everywhere, mm-hmm. and it w- it was just wonderful. But the Beach Boys, we, you know, we loved the Beach Boys. It was uh, they were fun sing along songs. But here's the thing: since you asked me to come on, and thank you for that, I started to think about this, and I wonder if I have an experience that no one or very few people have ever had at these kinds of concerts. Now. This is, uh, I wondered if Brian Wilson was there. I was trying to think, was Carl Wilson there? Were, were all of these people there? This was uh, right about the time the, the Friends album came out. It was right after Pet Sounds. A really important time. Oh, still one of the greatest albums of all time. Of all time. And, and uh, I remember some of my favorite songs that they sang there. So I go on, on the internets, on the interwebs. On one of those many internets? Yes. Yep. I, and, and, and believe it or not, I found a recording of the concert. Stop it. July 8th, 1968, Beach Boys playing a concert at the Fargo Civic Center Auditorium. That's amazing. So imagine this, and if you would like for your first concert to be able to go back, listen to it, Put yourself in that audience. Remember some of it. And I'm talking to my 14-year-old self, uh, listening to the Beach Boys playing. It was remarkable. It was remarkable. Music does that. It, it just is. It kind of transports you mm-hmm. uh, to the future, to the past, to the present, right where you are. Like AM radio, I was out, the coolest thing about it, I think the thing that intrigued me was theater of the mind. And you'd have some of these great old radio shows, mm-hmm. yeah. which were well before our time, but you could listen to the imagination going on. And to me, music does the same thing. You go back, and in your head, you're picturing all of those things back there. 
even when you hadn't thought about it for years. For years, it's yeah. true. And when I listen today, try to listen to different kinds of music, it, it, the reactions that it triggers, and what is it about creativity? What is it about uh, musicians that something can uh, flip a switch in their heads and their brains and come up with the kinds of turns of phrases or musical uh, turns of phrases, whatever it is. So that was the first concert. And turns out Brian Wilson was not there. He had just begun to, uh, to experience mental health issues mm-hmm. around that time. Hmm. And, but Carl Wilson was ill, uh, El Jardine, uh, Dennis, Wilson. Dennis Wilson. Yeah, they, they were Mike all Mike Love. Mike Love was there. And oddly, and this I don't remember, but they had horns on stage. Uh, they had so they were playing horns with some of it, and they were trying to do not Moog synthesizer stuff, but they were trying to with uh, with uh, good vibrations. You yeah, know, they played. That. They were always ahead of the game yeah, technologically. They were yeah. so they played a lot of stuff off off uh, Pet Sounds, which I believe had been just a year or so before that. So that was one of their most famous things. So it was really wonderful. But they also had other people in the band, uh, according to the interwebs, hmm. and in, including the, they had somebody on drums and keyboard by the name of Daryl Dragon, oh. which is the oddest thing I ever had, the captain. The captain and Tennille. Daryl, I never knew that. So I, uh, nor did I. Uh, wow. So these are uh, some of the uh, some of the memories that I have of this, and uh, and as recently as uh, yesterday and today, I'm listening to myself, 14 years old, at a concert. So thank you for helping me do that. Yeah, it, that is so cool. And you know what's with the Beach Boys? I digress, which you know I do a lot, but. We're at the zoo, and I took my daughter with because the Beach Boys were playing over at the amphitheater at the zoo one night. And I said, "Oh, I said you got to. I want you to go with me to see the Beach Boys." So we did, and they'd play a song, and I said, "So this is a song that was big." And Dad, I know. And then they'd play another song, and I said, "Oh, so California Girls was." Dad, I've heard these, and I, I and I'm shaking my head, going, "You like the Beach Boys? I had no clue that yeah. you had even heard of Who the Beach are you? Boys." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Dad. Yeah, I, right. you know, but it, oh, but, that's hilarious. But that is yeah. even when you were 14, your kids could probably listen to you right now and go, "Yeah, that's pretty oh yeah, good. yeah." And and with the Beatles, uh, the, you know, the the songs you oh, play yeah. in your homes, uh, and, and it's interesting that they they picked up, and it, it to me. Uh, now that my kids are older, and they have actually taken my albums, most of them, if not all of them, mm-hmm. and they listen to them like I used to, uh, with the big setup and put a put the needle on the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's remarkable. The so the everything new is everything old is new again. It, when um, we were growing up. And you were lucky enough to be able to afford a turntable. Of course, you had to have a, a, an amp to power it, and you'd have speakers to listen to. And you just want junky speakers. You want to. So I remember one of my first. I worked, you know, in the in the, in the potato fields. You worked uh, throwing hay bales. You did whatever you could. You're hoeing beets, and you take that money. And I bought a banging Olufsen turntable, which I still have. And I remember when the kids were young, I pulled it out and I set it up, and they said. What is that thing? And of course, now they now they listen to vinyl. 
It's kind and of funny. Now that that that's a beautiful instrument. Uh, I, I recall back in the day that you could turn it sideways and it would still play. <laughs> I mean, because the, yeah. the 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 arm of the with the stylus yeah. was yeah, it's just and had a little light beam and all these cool little things. And but you know, you worked. I don't know how many hours I that, worked to pay for that. How many bales of hay did you have to throw to earn? That was an expensive uh, piece of equipment back then. And today. Yeah. Another reason I decided to go toward the media. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. Gonna, hay bales are killing me. So you remember your yeah. your uh, devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I can remember the, the amplifier that I had that I, I wish I had never gotten rid of yeah uh, the Harman Kardon 330b <laughs> sure. and I can still see it <laughs> so uh, yeah. I mean did oh. it have the cool green lights yes or blue yeah yeah oh my gosh the Harman Kardon was a big name back in the day yes yeah because we talked one time and I remember spending an afternoon in a 76 Grand Prix in the back of it trying to put in six by nine Jensen coaxials <sighs> and I could not get it did to, you have to drill through the back oh, seat? Oh, drill! You had to pull things apart. You were pull the pull the the yeah. back seat off. Things I didn't really know oh, how to do, but yeah. I thought I could. I finally ended up and brought it into the dealership, and then I went to a place for a loan so I could pay for them to put in. You know, that's all. You, that's crazy. That, that yeah, but your, I, but I remember that was it because you uh, you know, we just cruised the street and then <laughs> turn around and cruise it back that's the it. one two str- <laughs> one two or three streets. But yes, but then if you had the woofer and the tweeter mm-hmm. and, and you know all that stuff and, and yeah, or you, or you probably blew it out the first day you had yeah. it, you know, crank one, it up one of those you know hitch and full run <laughs> boom. <laughs> anyway, uh, Pat Kessler's our guest here. It's all brought to you by the folks at Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone. We uh, in in this day to day world, we're talking about reducing carbon emissions. We should be. It's it's good for everyone. The question again comes up is, what's the right way? How do we do it? How do we reduce emissions and yet meet this world's increasing energy needs? And that's why we uh, like to talk about propane. By the way, you can go to propane.com and read about it so you can do your own research and feel comfortable and know what they're doing. But it is an excellent way to reduce emissions and yet meet the energy needs that we have today, which are many. Propane is clean. It's non-toxic energy source that helps reduce carbon emissions. It's, uh, and I like to bring up this carbon intensity score because we're all saying, I don't know what that is, but this kind of listen to this because it'll give you a good idea of how clean it is. Propane's carbon intensity score in Minnesota is 80. And I say only 80 because, for example, grid electricity in Minnesota, and that includes wind and solar now, has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. There you go. That's a good comparison. Propane is that much cleaner than electricity, and there's an abundance of it. And the growth of renewable propane means generations well beyond us can still use it. Millions of Americans are lying it right now. Uh, propane is the right energy right now. What you want to do, though, is feel good about it and learn about it. Find out more about what propane can do for you and the environment by going simply to propane.com. Pat, among some of the other concerts you've been to, and you uh, and uh, you've had a busy schedule through the years. With uh, I mentioned uh, Reality Check, which was an awesome idea that you came up with, an award-winning idea, and you're covering very serious matters for us at the Capitol. Uh, but you had a chance to slip in a concert now and then. Among the most memorable for you? Oh, that's that. I, I love that question because I, I was trying to think: what are the important ones? What are the ones that you remember today? What are the ones you thought back in the day? Oh, I gotta go to this, and eh, you know, it was it yeah. Was, so we all have that. Interestingly, you know, I was 14 years old, as I said, uh, for my first concert. 
uh, to see the Beach Boys. Four years later, my second concert was one of the most memorable and crazy because I, I think I passed into adulthood by then. I'm 18 <laughs> years old, and I go see the Stones. Wow. The Rolling Stones at the Met Center in Bloomington, Minnesota. Uh, the opening act is Stevie Wonder. What and a show. Exile on Main Street. One of the most uh, memorable concerts I've ever been to. Not the least the reason, not the least of which is that there were riots outside this concert with ticketless fans, and this is 1972, ticketless fans outside, they're storming the gates trying to get in. Police show up, they're clashing with the protesters, there's tear gas. I'm sitting at the top of the, of course, uh, you know, with the the $3 tickets or $5 tickets or whatever they were. Uh, and the tear gas wafts up to the, to the top of where we are. So it was a different kind of smoke, I think. Than, uh, but, uh, yeah, so that was the Exile on Main Street tour, uh, which was uh, just tremendous, but uh, significant to me. And that wasn't political. Again, you're saying that's all based on ticket availability. Yeah, that was, uh, that was ticket availability. And th- those were the or days unavailability, of, I guess. Those are the days you, you, know, you called up and waited. Uh, you keep calling or wait in line outside or, or, or whatever it is. I don't even remember how we got them. But this was uh, Stevie Wonder when he first began to go off on his own. He wasn't singing only Barry Gordy Motown stuff. He wasn't little Stevie Wonder. He wasn't little Stevie Wonder. And he had, was beginning to come into his own as a performer. And he performed, I believe, for the first time, or one of the very first times, performed this song that he had written called Superstition. Oh, wow. And that was part of the, uh, the concert. And the album wasn't released, the uh, Talking Book album, I think that was on. And that was not released for a number of days, or a number of months later, October, I think, of 72. So that concert uh, was remarkable to me. He did sing a lot of my favorite songs, Signed, Sealed, and Delivered, Mm. Um, um, my Sharia more uh, superstition. He sang "Blowing in the Wind," the Bob Dylan song. And, and you're a Bob Dylan guy. Yeah, and I, I love Dylan. But the Stones played. I mean, it was pretty much the uh, their their fantastic, uh, the all of their greatest hits uh, from "Beggar's Banquet" and and then "Exile on Main Street." And as it happens over the years, and you know, I like the Stones. I even like them a lot. They never were my favorite band, but I think they're they're a great band. Yeah, they're, they're a yeah. great band. And somehow it has come to pass that I have seen the Stones more than any other band, hmm. and I've seen them once in every decade since the seventies. Now, I'm not that old. Well, actually, I am. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a man of a certain age. But I've seen them in five decades: seventies, eighties, nineties, aughts. Teens, <laughs> think about it. So uh, you know, so I've been around as long as the Stones, apparently. But Bob Dylan, uh, I know you're a fan of his, yes. uh, and you grew up near Fargo, Moorhead. Mm-hmm. And Bob Dylan played in a band, and he's been on the show. They got Bobby Becker's band. Bobby's name at that time was it was the Poor Boys, uh, but it wasn't Bobby. He, did, he used another name, but Bob's one of the guys that filled in when Buddy Holly didn't make it to Moorhead with Bobby V. And Dion, and uh, so, and he's he's a longtime friend, but he hired a young keyboard player for a few gigs from Hibbing, who came to Fargo Moorhead to try get in a band, and his name was 
Elston Gunn. Bob Dylan. That is, yeah, and you see Elston Gunn on to this day on some of his, uh, on some of the credits. Uh, that that's amazing. I did not know that. Isn't that crazy? And then then he then eventually he came down to Dinky. So he had to be uh, like just a senior in high school, getting out of high school. Yes, yeah, about that time. Um, what a remarkable story! Isn't that something? Yeah, it it really is. A, what was he like? Does your friend? Uh, he said. Really? He, well, he said, and my friend is. He loves everybody. He's just a good. He he said Bob was a little different than the rest of us, but he said, "What a good guy! What a great guy!" He said he only played with us for a short time, then he went over to Bobby V because Bobby Becker and Bobby V were buddies, and Bobby Becker didn't need a keyboard player, and Bobby V did at the time, and he said, "Hey, I you know this guy would be a great guy for you." And then Bobby V and Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan still references Bobby V on occasion. Yeah. So yeah, Elston Gunn. That what was his name. What a great yeah. What a great story. Yeah. I, I did not just know that. Just a few he went miles away enough. from your farm. Oh my god! But you were just a babe in swaddling clothes. That's true. I was fourteen so. at the Beach Boys. So yeah. what, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So Dylan was one of your favorites. That's a great. That's a great story. Have you remained Keith Richards fan? Then a Keith Richards fan? Yeah, I like Keith Richards. Um, I I think he's a true original. I think he's going to outlive all of us. Um, and uh, the. You listen to people and they talk about their longevity, and and I just want to hear about him. I mean, yeah, how in the world has he lived this long? They lived a very very hard life, and uh, Charlie Watts, who recently passed away, uh, was one of the Stones who did not. Yeah, uh, so he's the first one to go, the guy who lived a clean life. Um, I am. I believe that they're. In general, they're uh, healthy uh, physically. They're clean and sober, most of them. Uh, and they, I, I happened to look up the other day, uh, Mick Jagger's workout routine. He does, it's unbelievable when you look at the guy. What is he, 75? Oh, Pushing uh, 80. Yeah, yeah got to be, I would think. Yeah. Pushing 80. Yeah, must probably. be. Yep. Did you know that he has a 28-inch waist, according to uh, the According to the internet, <laughs> I, I did not know that. But I remember, think about it. I, I don't want to think about it. It's quite depressing. But I would, I would say that he, or we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I was out uh, in Cleveland for a football uh, game. That, that's one of my FOMOs. I want to go. to... Oh, you have to. And oh, the yeah. day we were there, okay. they had uh, they had a Tom Petty display, uh-huh, which, uh-huh. but they also had um, Rod Stewart. I think it was Rod Stewart's clothes. It uh, might have been Prince's. And I was amazed by some of the rock and roll stars when I saw the how I don't how tiny they are. tiny yeah tiny yeah I mean and they're they're small and, in stature and thin yeah and, and there's uh, not and, much to it and I wonder how they how they get that way and stay that way but of course somebody like Prince and I, I did see one of his uh, uh, outfits at the Minnesota Historical Society uh, from Purple Rain and I mean it was just, it, yeah. it looks like it would go on a very small person almost a child yeah but he uh, I mean, Brianne you could wear it. It'd be baggy on you, Absolutely. probably. Absolutely. No, I've, I've done a lot of size comparison with myself and the late great <laughs> prints, and really there's probably not too much difference. And I come in at about 5'1". And no disrespect, if anything, it's kind of, I'm, I'm glad that people who are small in stature find ways to make up for it in presence, right? Well, it, it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. And, and when you look at what Prince did, uh, again, some of the, you know, we were lucky enough to have him in Minnesota around... Uh, the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. living here. So, you know, people in Minnesota were able to see him multiple times. Yeah, and he'd go out and see bands on uh, all the know, time. Anonymously, and, yeah. yeah. Friends would uh, tell me that they bumped into him at a nightclub. 
Uh, I have a friend who uh, asked him to dance, and uh, the <laughs> he was at one of the nightclubs in downtown Minneapolis, and he's surrounded by bodyguards. And uh, and and she went up to him because it was. He said, "Oh, I'm going to ask him." She goes up and asks him to dance, and. Prince is not dancing this evening. You know. <laughs> okay, fine. Askelos told you that he went up and asked Bonnie Raitt to dance over at uh, like no. the Caboose or somewhere. No, years ago. she respectfully declined. Uh huh. <laughs> He's never gotten over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Pat Kessler is our guest. This is my first concert. Dave Lee here along with Brianne. Great to have you with. Uh, and great to have the folks over at Star Bank as one of the sponsors of this show. Uh, local lending decisions for fast funding. They can help you grow. And, and I don't uh, want you to take that lightly because they've been around Minnesota for many years. They have 10 locations in the state. Started off in western Minnesota. Ag, of course, was big for them. And so when you're dealing with ag, you've got to learn to really move quickly and make a fast move when you have to, and they, that's what they do. And that's why they're so good now. They're right here in the Twin Cities as, as well. They're our bank at Talk North, by the way. Uh, they'll answer the phone. It's face-to-face. -face. They've got a great mobile app, too. If you want to do a lot of high-tech stuff, that's certainly not a problem. Community involvement. Uh, they are, wherever they're at, they are heavily involved in the community. It's just so cool. It's kind of, Pat and I have been talking about some of the uh, bands and the throwback days, and they do that with their face-to-face -face contact. It's really neat. Uh, you're definitely not a number. They're going to know your name. You're going to know theirs. When you need technology, they got it. You, I understand that. Having been on tractors as a kid, those have changed dramatically. Where pretty much they can drive themselves now in the satellite and how to plant and seed and use fertilizer. They know all that stuff. But they know it for all you businesses out there, no matter what you do. They're a member of FDIC. They're an equal housing lender. Starbank.net. I Take a look at that if you get a chance on the web today or tomorrow for sure. Hey, I want to bring in Pat Kessler, our guest here today on my first concert. Can I continue talking about anybody who has actually met or talked with uh, a rock musician? I mean, it's it's a it's a remarkable experience, and I'm not one of those. If if I had somebody, who would it be? I mean, I'd love to sit down and talk to Dylan. Uh, I I would, but uh, you mentioned that. Uh, people approach Prince or uh, Bonnie Raitt. Bonnie Raitt and Steve Miller were in Minnesota in the 80s, 90s, I think it was, early 90s, when Minnesota was uh, going through political uh, controversy over what to do with spent nuclear fuel rods at the, uh, at the then NSP, now XL energy plants. Uh, what do you do with them? And the legislature was debating whether to store these spent fuel rods in concrete casks on site outside the reactor. So there was a huge hue and cry about this. No nukes. Uh, the people were saying, end nuclear energy, do all of this. So there was a lot of politics uh, surrounding this. And Bonnie Raitt and Steve Miller came to town to head up a rally to oppose this uh, to oppose the the, the uh, installation of these uh, concrete casts. So we were able to talk with them in a press conference, and I don't remember, Eric Escala and I were both there and a number of others uh, in the Capitol Press Corps, and we asked Steve Miller the one question after all the, well, after it was all done, 
How did you come up with the word pompadus? What does the word pompadus mean? <laughs> and I can see you and Eric looking at each other like we got these two. Got these one, two guys have wonderful we got, vocabularies. We don't know this word. Yeah, and and it's like okay, we got one question left. Who's going to ask yeah. it? You know, they didn't tell us this at McAllister. Yeah. So so you know because they want to talk about nuclear energy then and don't want to talk about you know because yeah. they're they, they are musicians and they're using their platform to do things that they think are, are good uh, in, in trying to make some political points. So, of course, Pompadus of Love, for those listening, uh, they all know, some people call me Maurice. Because <laughs> I speak of the Pompadus of Love. So, the answer, according to Steve Miller, he says, I get asked that all the time. He says it means nothing. <laughs> They're just syllables that I put together so they would fit in the line I'm writing for the Joker. So very, you know, that that that's one of my very few uh, interactions with uh, with a, a rock star. I have one more, um, uh, but I, I know you remember all that time. No, no, Steve I want to hear your one more. Oh gosh, I remember it well. I remember that song when the Joker came out. It was so different, yeah, yeah. than anything. It was like Lee Michaels. You know what I mean? It was just so different, and it was it was. People loved it. And he was a craftsman. Uh, um, when he wrote songs, I mean, it was like a carpenter building a box because he, you could you hammer it together, but you could take it apart. It was very simple uh, and, and the kind of a song that just progressed, but very simple lyrics, very simple musical progressions. Steve Miller was, was a great one uh, back in the day. And Minnesota Connections, the Petersons, uh, uh, Billy and Paul, did not know this. They played with him for, well, Billy particularly played with him for, probably still does as far as I know. He just got off a tour with Stevie Nicks, Billy did. Oh, but he played, man. he was in the Steve Miller band. And then Paul was in it as well for a while. I did not know yeah, that. So. Elusive local angle. Yeah, very very cool. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. No, the only other one that I've ever talked with is Alice Cooper. Now, Alice, How great was that? It was... Fantastic. Now, he's a shock rock dude. He's a showman. Uh, He is, you know, and my parents were so afraid of bringing that album in the house. And (laughs) no more. This is a nice guy. (laughs) And, and, you know, he dressed like he was a vampire and could not have been more sweet, more kind, more generous. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Just incredible. So, I happen to be uh, covering. So it, it, you're in the newsroom when uh, I'm, I'm a, a television reporter and cover politics. But somebody comes into town, and suddenly you hear, "And hey, so and so's in town. We need some. Can somebody go interview?" <laughs> so this day, I just happened to be there. Didn't have anything to do for the next hour or so. Uh, hey, Alice Cooper. They just called. They said he's like over at the Regency. <laughs> can some? Can some? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Pick me. So we go down there and we talk about it uh, because I saw him up in Grand Forks back in the day, uh, um, and uh, he, you know, I, I wanted to talk to him about me and how much I. Saw. And he was just so kind and so wow. generous. But here is the thing: uh, he was there uh, and, uh, to to promote art, to promote uh, some of the art that he has done over the years, and he's quite a good artist. And the one thing about him, though, that I did not know that somehow came up in conversation, he, as a hobby, throws knives. Well, who doesn't? He's a knife thrower. (laughs) 
I am not not the axe at the bar. Knife knives. He is a knife thrower. Not only <laughs> is he a knife thrower, he has been inducted into the International <laughs> no, Knife Throwing no. <laughs> Hall of Fame. I and wasn't yes, aware of that. One. There is a thing: the International Knife Throwing Hall of Fame. He said that he does it to relax. <laughs> he throws knives. He got into the concerts, and apparently, people uh, the, when before a concert, they're very tense uh, musicians, and they get out. Sure. There. And he's talking about it, and he says that other people do. Apparently, like uh, 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 Roger Daltrey from the Hue, I mean, he does he does fly fishing casts <laughs> before the show. He throws knives. Alice Cooper said that he can throw a knife into a circle the size of a grapefruit, and he can hit the bullseye. He says he can put fifteen knives in the circle the size of a grapefruit. That's what he said. Boy, you want to? If you're at a party with Alice, you want to make sure he doesn't have too much. He didn't some. Are there any yeah. knives in the house? Yeah. And is Alex, Alice had too much. Yeah. To drink. So no. Well, as a matter of fact, and this is what oh. saved Alice Cooper. Hmm. Clean and sober. Yeah. For 30, 40, maybe fifty years now. Mm-hmm. But he saw, and we talk about the secrets to longevity. Uh, he saw everybody around him dying from drugs and alcohol. And, and just abuse of the body. And he said, I had to make a decision. And he talked about this uh, in, in our interview. I had to make a decision of what I want to be and how I want to live and, and what my future is. And he did that. And uh, it took him many years, but he is clean and sober for 30, I'm, I'm going to say 40, 50 years. And an avid golfer. He took up golf right after that, and he, I think, is uh, he sponsors uh, charity golf tournaments outside Phoenix and um, somebody that uh, that that I had a totally different impression of. Yeah, how could you not? Till you meet him, and you go, man, this dude is cool. Yeah, and smart. Yeah. Well, for going down the road of uh, weird hobbies of rock stars, do you know David Lee Roth has trained as a samurai and actually lives in Japan, maybe part time or something? No, like that? I don't. Yes, but, but okay. So, is this part of some of his moves that he? I, I mean, do you look at? No, I think it's like later in life. Like really? I think he was just very athletic and very into that, uh-huh. but then somehow he got the call to go east, you know, and I and, and could afford he, it, right? Exactly, and so that's been his kind of oh, that's a great second story. life journey. That's a I great can't verify story. every detail, but. I'm I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. that's that's true. So, oh, that, and and that's more than an idiosyncrasy. That is a lifestyle, lifestyle change. Jinx. <laughs> yeah, jinx, jinx. Yeah. Um, Hold yes. your pinkies. Hold your pinkies. So uh, yeah, that that's you, you hear. I had heard that Charlie Watts, the drummer of the Rolling Stones, would uh, sketch. He he was a sketch artist, and he would sketch his hotel every hotel room that they checked into on a tour. So, and you know, what do I know? I don't have great hobbies like that. <laughs> well, that is, that's the amazing life of rock stars, right? But you've got to get away from it somehow. I, I think oh, yeah. it's got to be a lonesome life at, at points. Well, when you have a family, uh, it's, it's got to be difficult uh, to balance uh, a tour. Uh, I, I, I read about some uh, rock stars who bring bands who bring their children along uh, or movie stars of actors who bring their families when they're on location for a couple, three months. Because it's got to be really difficult. Um, how, how difficult is it to be away from your children? I mean, it's got to be really hard. So, 
Are you into any of the documentaries that they show? And I, I, we talked about the Bee Gees not long ago. Uh, that documentary, that's another one where you talk about meeting Alice Cooper, and I saw the documentary because I wasn't quite expecting what I saw. And after I saw it, I became a Bee Gees fan. Same. Are you huge? I haven't seen not, it, no, but I've huge. heard about this. I'm not a huge fan. I, I mean, yeah, but, go. But I, yeah. very lukewarm. But when you see the documentary after, you 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 respect you're them. You're converted so yeah. much more of what. Oh, they, I gotta see that. How it's they wrote good. for the and how for a while though they wouldn't let them record because they were a disco band, so they were writing all these hits for everybody else. Yeah, he's and, written thousands of songs. Barry yeah. Gibb has for other people. Other people. Yeah, because yeah. Cause, oh, I love that subject. I, I love that he wrote trivia. Islands in the stream. He, Did you know that? I did not know that. Yes. Islands in right. the stream. <laughs> yeah. That is what we are. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I thought that was uh, someone else, but that's. You know, I saw Kenny and Dolly, who sang that song. Mm-hmm. Right, right. At the Fargo, uh, the North Dakota State, uh, North Dakota State University. I don't know, it was a, probably the. F- well, I was I was never when they had the so Fargo. When, done, when, what, what period, what time period? Well, it was when be? Kenny Rogers was absolutely red hot. No, it wasn't Dolly. He was with uh, Crystal Gale. He's with Crystal Gale. Okay, so this would Loretta probably Lynn's be younger early 80s or... Uh, Mid-80s. Yeah. And it was mid- whenever Kenny Rogers was like, I mean, he was the guy. Yeah, yeah. And there was another guy, at least uh, at that time, because we. I, I wonder if I didn't have to introduce him or whatever I did at the time. Um, but he was very, very nice. Oh, that's, very, that, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Because that he was a mega, mega star. He was, a, yeah, he was huge. The biggest ever. Now, do you remember him now? When I was 14, I remember him on the AM radio from uh, uh, the band. Kenny Rogers in the first edition. First edition. Or, yeah. Just dropped in <laughs> to, to see, see what, what condition my condition, my condition was in. <laughs> boom, yeah, boom. Yeah. Oh, God, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you turn up the radio, you know, and. And, and turn it way up so you can hear it. Yeah, driving. When Lucille came out, you know it, that oh. gravelly thing and that song just. Oh, that's it's, so sad. But Brianne, I when the Beatles came out and you talked about the Rolling Stones at the time, the Beatles were so. It's just hard, I think, to explain what the Beatles. My mom did. was a big fan, and that's what yeah. she kind of always says. It's a before and an after kind of thing. Yeah, my brothers about, went out yeah. and bought Beatles boots with their. Well, it's well, it's an, and it's interesting topic because it wasn't. The, the, it, of course, they changed the music that that we listen to, the rock and roll music. But this was a cultural change, mm-hmm. so it yeah. changed everything about fashion, about music, about taste. design, taste. Yeah. Um, uh, about how people live, politics, everything about it happened in this cultural revolution yep. in this country. And sometimes I wonder, uh, being a kid thinking about this and listening to faraway radio stations on a AM radio in a car in a farmyard late at night, if, if that is what propelled me and what helped to think about politics and what do I want to do with my life, and there is something else that this art form has given me, even though I'm not good at it. Um, I love I love being part of it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think well that's said. That's how we all feel about it. Yeah, well said. Pat Kessler's our guest, the award winner, the Hall of Famer, the Emmy Award winner as well. Uh, Dave Lee here. I want to talk about another award-winning service, and that is the folks at Aquarius Home Services. And I bring that up because recently in the Star Tribune, they were voted 
uh, best at what they do, and that's taking care of your home, whether it be a five-star furnace tune-up, a new furnace, or the the K5 drinking water system. I swear by that, especially when the holidays roll around. You're using, I mean, you're going to use water no matter what every day, but when you're doing a lot of cooking, you're going to get the most out of your cooking with their uh, K5 drinking water system from Connecticut, and Aquarius installs that. They make it convenient to get purified water right from your sink and fridge. I, every morning, I used to get up at 2.45, and I'd, I'd do that early morning show, and I drank every single day. I would bring in that Connecticut water. i bottle my own water, and that's what I drank, nothing else. It's, it, it's certified to remove more contaminants than any other system, 99% removal. My friends at AquariusHomeServices.com in Connecticut can help you out with that. They installed mine. I love it. Best decision I have made for healthy drinking water. Makes recipes top-notch, too. It really does. If you want to learn more about Connecticut's K5 drinking water system, contact Aquarius for the free, the free, the free water analysis. So you can see, because whatever community you're in, the, the next door, the neighboring community may have different water situation. Visit them at AquariusHomeServices.com. So good. Pat, it's great having you here. I really appreciate your time. Always been a big fan, as you know, and admired your work. But uh, I, I knew you had the side where you like music, and uh, I thank you for sharing it. And well, I'm- it's really an honor to be here and to uh, reminisce about all of this. And I'm, I'm going to go home and listen to my first concert on the, on the webs. Uh, the Beach Boys, 1968. It's an album, That's so cool. Dave. That is so cool. It's an album now. So there it is. So thank you for opening up that chapter of my life again. Oh, it's great. Great seeing you. I got a feeling we'll have you back if you're willing to come back a second time. Often people don't do that for us. But if you are, it'd be great to have you back. Brianne, great to see you, as always. And our thanks to Pat Kessler for stopping by on my first concert. Again, you can find us on Apple, on Spotify, which Pat likes, I know, or on uh, talknorth.com. Learn a lot more about it. And uh, maybe someday we'll have you on the show, folks. So let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Appreciate your input. We'll see you next time on My First Concert. 